Today's scripture reading is from Acts 15, verses 1 through 33. You can follow along behind me in your Bible app or hard copy Bible in your pew, starting on page 923. Acts 15, 1 through 33. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching their brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the detail of the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who had belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, brothers, you know that in the early days, God made a choice among you that by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their heart by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. And all the assembly fell silent. And they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After this, I will return, and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord, and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old. Therefore my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but we should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols, and from sexual immorality, and from what has been strangled, and from blood. For from ancient generations Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him, for he is read every Sabbath in the synagogues. And it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas called Barsabas and Silas leading men among the brothers with the following letter. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Sicilia, greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instructions. It has seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit to us to lay on you no greater burden than those requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols, and from blood, and for what has been strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. 
So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And Judas and Silas, who were therefore prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. After they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who sent them. May God bless the reading of this word. I'd like to now invite Pastor Jeff, who will share on today's message titled, Saved by Grace 2. Good morning. It's so good to be able to worship with you all this morning. And welcome to, to those of you who are here for the first time. And welcome to those of us uh, who are joining here online. We are in Acts chapter 15 this morning. Acts 15, if you don't know, it's, it's kind of right about in the middle of this entire book of Acts that we've kind of been working our way through. So there's about 12,000 words or so before, about 12,000 words or so after. And this chapter that we are working our way through this morning is, it's an important chapter, not just because it's right in the middle and it's like the climax, but because of the theological issue that it's raising for us this morning. Now, if you might remember, about two years ago, we preached through the first half of Acts in a sermon series called The Church Unleashed. And this sermon series now that we started this new year with is uh, for the second half, half of Acts, Acts chapter 13 through 28. We've called it to the ends of the earth. And this is what we've been seeing over these past two chapters or so as the apostles have been going from being forced out to being sent out. So as, as Paul, we see as Paul embarked on and he's completed this first of three missionary trips. So he left from Antioch in Syria and came back here. And, he's, and as he returns, he's sharing, he's testifying, he's talking about how all the things that God has been doing with them and through them. And how he's opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, to these non-Jewish people. This is how last week, how chapter 14 ended. But it's actually this sharing that as Paul is sharing, hey, this is what's happening with these people groups. It's this sharing that raises a very important question for us this morning. How do these Gentiles, these non-Jewish people, people like you and I, how are they received into the family of God? Do they need to be circumcised as adults? Do they need to submit to dietary restrictions? Do they need to, need to submit to the whole law? What does that look like? Because if, you know, we are to think about these two sermon series, right? If the church is unleashed to the ends of the earth, then it's pretty important as the gospel goes out to all these non-Jewish people groups. It's pretty important for them, this early church, to nail down exactly how are all these people groups, these non-Jewish people groups, included into the church. And so what's at stake here for us this morning is salvation. Right? It's the belief that you and I believe that we are saved by grace. Grace, it's this idea of an undeserved gift. Undeserved gift from God given to us. And so in our passage this morning, we're going to see three things with respect to this grace. First, we're going to see that grace is challenged. We're going to see that grace is defended. And then lastly, we're going to see how grace is shown to one another. 
So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to me, you can follow along with me as we go from chunk to chunk, section to section. First, verses five, uh, 1 to 5, grace is challenged. This is our passage. This is how our passage opens. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you can't be saved. And so as we're reading, right, because we are students of God's word, we look at that word but, right, and it's signaling to us we don't just start there, right? It's, it's signaling us to look back. There's a number of contrasts here, right? Paul and Barnabas, they're here in this city of Antioch. They're sharing about how all these Gentiles are coming to faith. They're in this major city where they've been commended to the grace of God for the work they've been fulfilled. So the gospel is going out. All these non-Jewish people, these Gentiles, are believing in Jesus. And now Luke is signaling for us this contrast. And because now you have these people, not from Antioch, but from Judea, from Jerusalem, coming down from the heart of it all, coming down to Antioch and speaking to the very thing that Paul is sharing about. Now, look at this. They're not saying that Gentiles cannot be saved. They're not debating if, but how? Like, what does that mean? What does that look like? Now, it'd be like if, if by God's grace and his miracle, like a whole uh, group of Muslims came to faith and came to believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior and that he is God and not just a prophet. But as they come now, it's like, well, what does that look like? What, what sort of practices can, are they to continue to do? What sort of practices are they to leave behind? Now, now for, the, for our passage here, they're saying, these, these men from Judea are saying, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you can't be saved. They say it again, verse 5. It's necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. And so they're, they're making this really strong statement here when they say it's necessary. Because what they're really saying to us, to everyone, is that you know, it's not, hey, this group of Jewish leaders says, you know, it is so and, and so it is, right? This is the way it has to be. But they're, they're claiming that actually God deems it necessary. That God says these Gentiles have to be circumcised in order to be saved. And not just that, they have to keep the whole law of Moses, all 630 commandments. And so what's in contention here? between Paul and Barnabas and these men from Judea, is what does God actually have to say about all this, particularly now that Jesus has come? What's changed? What hasn't changed? Again, these, these teachers, these men from Judea, they're saying, to put it plainly, that if these Gentiles, people like you and me, want to be part of the family of God, they have to become Jewish. We think about our mission statement that we just kind of preached to and, and introduced, right? B bridging cultures to build a family in Christ. You know, they're saying that that family in Christ is a Jewish family in Christ. That it means that we, are, are, we identify by circumcision, by dietary restrictions, by all these other things that mark us out. But Paul and Barnabas disagree vehemently. For them, they're saying that, no, God doesn't require it. At the center of these five verses is the, the sharing about these Gentiles coming to faith, right? And bring great joy to everyone. The Gentiles are coming to Jesus as Gentiles. 
And so there's a, what we call a chiasm here, this, this literary structure. Right, so you can see in verse 1 and 5, there, these men are from Judea. They're saying to be part of the family of God, this family in Christ. You actually have to become Jewish. You have to do all these things, right? Verse 2 and 4, Paul and Barnabas disagree. They head to Jerusalem to, to kind of sort this matter out. And at the center of all, they're testifying, hey, this is what God is doing, actually, among the Gentiles. And so in these first five verses, grace is challenged. Grace is challenged. What is being argued here is salvation by grace and also by doing all these certain things. Not salvation by grace alone. Now clearly, Paul and Barnabas disagree. And so what happens? They, they take it back to Jerusalem. Back to the Jerusalem church. Back to the authority of the Jerusalem church. And here, the apostles and the elders, they're gathering together to consider this matter. These are the leaders of the early church, the apostles who planted these churches uh, and these elders who have, been, who have stayed behind. They've been raised up to lead these churches. And as they meet, now we, we get to the second movement in our passage, verses 6 to 21. Grace is defended. Grace is defended. There's, there's actually three speeches that, that come up in, these, in this section in defense of grace. So Peter gives one. Paul and Barnabas, they share, they testify. And lastly, James gives his judgment. So we're going to work our way through these three speeches. And this is James, not uh, one of Jesus' disciples, but this is the, the author of the book of James. This is the half-brother of Jesus. This is one of the leaders of the Jerusalem church. And in each of these speeches, you can kind of see that they're kind of hitting on different things when it comes to grace. But all of it is giving us a picture, a defense and support of this idea that, hey, we're saved by grace. Both Jews and Gentiles. So look with me to to Peter's speech in verses 611. What he points out is God's initiatives. God's initiatives, right? These men from Judea, they're saying, hey, well, God is saying this. And Peter's like, well, look at what God is doing. Look at what he has done. This is what Peter says. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. So Peter's reminding the people, remember. Remember back uh, to Acts 10, right, with, with Cornelius, the centurion. This was right after that God had given Peter this vision, this dream of this blanket descending from heaven with all these animals in it. And God said, Peter... Eat three times. And Peter's like, I can't eat this. It's not kosher. The animals are unclean. And God says, Hey, I'm telling you, it's okay. I'm telling you it's okay, and so it's okay. And Peter obviously he wakes up, he's confused, doesn't make sense to him, but because in his mind, this paradigm, it's been like this. But things have changed now with Jesus coming. Now, immediately after he gets a visit. This guy Cornelius, right, he, he says, he, he sends for Peter. He wants to hear what Peter has to say. 
And so Peter starts to make the connection. He gets the vision. He says, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Peter opens his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And soon enough, all these Gentiles, they believe, they receive the Holy Spirit, they're baptized. And so this is what Peter is now talking about in our passage this morning. When he says, by my mouth, through, through my words, the Gentiles should hear the, the word of the gospel and believe. God made no distinction between Jews and Gentiles when it came to being saved by grace through faith. Now, if that's true, which we know and we, which we believe, Peter starts to draw, draw out some implications. Because now he's looking at these men who are from Judea and he's saying, well, if that is true, then what are you doing? Why are you putting God to the test? And, and that language for those of us who are f- kind of familiar with uh, the Bible and some of the Old Testament stories, it should remind us of the Israelites, right, of Israel, because that's what they did all the time. They tested God, which is basically to say that when you test God, you're not trusting in him. It's to say that we say with our words and with our actions, I don't actually believe that what God says about being saved by grace is true. Like, you tell me that. God says that, but I have some doubts. I'm going to live and say things in a way contrary to that. And the fact of the matter is that these teachers are actually going further than that. It's not just about not trusting God. They think that this is what God continues to want. But it's now putting that on others now, too. Because Peter says, why are you guys putting this burden of all these laws on these Gentiles that you and I couldn't even be, uh, bear to begin with. And Peter says instead, but we, we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. And this is so interesting, I think, right, like how he phrases it. Because he says, like, we, the uh, Jewish brothers, Jewish people will be saved through grace, like them, like the Gentiles. We might, we might think, or at least I thought, like, wouldn't I expect him to say, like, we believe that Gentiles, those people, are saved through grace, like us, the Jewish people. And the emphasis is, is a little bit different. The f- focus, the center. You know, it's almost as if Peter's trying to remind these Jewish believers, hey, you know, how are you saved? Remember, Right? It's not by your obedience to the law. It's not because you're ethnically Jewish. It's not because you checked off all the boxes. Not because you're circumcised. Not because you refrained from eating certain things. No, you're not saved because of anything that you did. But it's solely by the undeserved grace of God. This gift from him. And the basis of your salvation, then, is the same basis of salvation for the Gentiles. Grace. And grace alone. And so one pastor put it this way, that if there's nothing that we must do when it comes to being saved, then there's nothing that we can do 
Like whether you want to call it circumcision, dietary restrictions, or, or you know, that's probably a little less relevant for us today, but maybe it's being a good person, right? Spreading good karma, maybe. Right? All of these things add zero value to God saving us by his grace. It's like we're trying to contribute to a group project when, in fact, it's not actually a group project. And it's just God, his initiative, and what he's done. But when we try to add to it, when we think we're trying to add value, it's not actually doing it. What it is doing is it's a lack of trust. That's what we're contributing is a lack of trust, a lack of trust that God alone is sufficient to save us. And so grace is defended, all right, by, first by pointing to God's initiatives, and second, by pointing to God's signs and wonders. Again, Paul Martin was saying, look at what God is doing. Verse 12, it's only one verse. Paul and Barnabas are, are speaking now and testifying again what, what God was doing among them through the Gentiles. Like this is the power of testimony, right, of stories, of ex- witnessing to the experience of the Gentiles. They're coming to faith as Gentiles. Repeatedly in our past, it, it's shared about what God is doing, right? Testimony and experience, theory, they are important. They're impactful. The stories of you and I and all these people who are coming to faith, it's compelling. But we also remember that these stories are set alongside his story, right? History, God's story. And so what I don't think is happening here is this isn't just a subjective recounting of my truth, right? Like, you know, these men come from Judea and my truth, they're saying like, hey, my truth is you need to get circumcised. And then the Gentiles are like, well, my truth is I don't, and I don't want to. Right? And then you're at an impasse, right? Because your truth, and then my truth, and then like, whose truth are we going to follow? What do you do? But actually, I think what's happening here is that both groups are actually trying to point to something beyond themselves. They're looking to what God's truth is. How their stories fit as part of the larger story of God. Larger plan of God. And yes, the testimony of these Gentile conversions, they're helping us to see it. And that's not the only thing, right? Peter points to God's initiatives. Paul and Barnabas point to God's signs and wonders. And now James points to God's plan. It's not just what God has done, but it's also what God has said that he will do. James is reciting this passage from Amos. It's one of the uh, prophetical books in the Old Testament. He says, with this, the words of all the prophets agree. Right? As if to say, like, look, I'm just citing this one prophet, Amos, this guy. But you could look at Isaiah, you could look at Jeremiah, you could look at all these other books. And they're all going to agree on the same point. That the inclusion of Gentiles as Gentiles was part of God's plan. That's to say that God's not changing the rules mid-game. This is not like, hey, we have the rules of salvation for the Old Testament. you got to earn it by your own merit, and then we're going to change it. Now in the New Testament, where it's salvation by grace. This is not like, for those of you who probably watched the Super Bowl later today, right, that this is before the halftime, 
you know, when the Eagles face the Chiefs. You know, to score a touchdown, you have to bring it into the end zone. You get six points. You get an extra field goal for an extra point, right? But after halftime, you score a touchdown by kicking it into a basketball hoop from the 50-yard line. Right? This is not changing the rules mid-game. It has always been salvation by grace through faith. And so what's happening here in Acts 15 for us this morning is a watershed moment for the church. This is going to define, it has defined how people, how people like you and I, come to Jesus, receive him. And what we also continue to see as we work our way through this passage, it's not just that there's a vertical component here at stake between how we view ourselves in relation to God. Acts 15 here is also kind of pointing out, hey, you know, defining these theological doctrines, they're so great, so important, right? But what does that mean for our relationship with one another? How does this actually work out? Because, you know, in the background of, of, like, a lot of the books in the New Testament is this relationship between Jews and Gentiles. These two very different groups of people. Culturally, language, upbringing. How are they going to live together as the people of God, as the church? Because Luke is, is documenting for us as we work our way through the Acts the establishing of God's church as this multicultural, multi-ethic, multilingual people who are defined not by what ethnicity they are, what language they speak, what cultural background they have, but by their allegiance to and their faith in Jesus. God is saying um, that there is no distinction between Jew and Gentile when it comes to salvation. But he's not saying there's no differences at all between Jewish and Gentile people. And so we get to our third and last point this morning. Grace is shown. So James, in his, at the end of his speech, he's giving his, uh, his conclusion. He says, Therefore my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God. But, but we should write to them. To abstain from the things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from what has been strangled, right? That's how uh, animals were, 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 some animals were killed for meals, and from blood. For from ancient generations, Moses has had in every city those who proclaim in, for he has read every Sabbath in the synagogues. And so he's asking, even as they proclaim salvation by grace, he's still saying, oh, hey, Gentiles, like, Still refrain from these four things. Things polluted by idols, sexual immorality, eating what has been strangled, and blood. And there's a lot of questions. I think you might have some questions about, like, why these four things? Like, some of it makes sense. Some of it is concerning, especially that last one. Does that mean we can't have our steaks rare or medium rare? Does that mean that, you know, every time Kara, so you guys do a grill, uh, a cookout, that Pastor Pat has to examine every single burger, you know, mm, dry and bland and hard to chew. All right, great, great, you know, good to serve. Let's give it to the newcomers. There's a couple different ways to, to, to look at this, these four things. One way, one way is to, to, to see that actually together, Together, we can take it to be associated with this uh, life of idolatry, 
right? Not just the, the first thing where actually mentioned idols, but you know, sexual immorality. That was the type of cultic prostitution that was happening in these pagan temples in the day. And eating what has been strangled or eating meat with blood, this was the type of food being served in these temple feasts. Because meat was expensive and it wasn't, you know, super common. It's not like most of us, we get our flyers in the mail. Uh, the family can just go to, to Market Basket and pick up that New York strip steak that's on sale this week. It doesn't work like that, right? But these are all the things when taken together that are happening in a setting where sacrifices to idols and idol worship was happening. Things that are, that are antithetical to coming to faith following Jesus. And we know the first two things on the list, they're, they're normative. Like Peter, Peter, uh, Paul speaks on it in other settings too. But eating meat sacrificed to idols, what do we do with that? Because Paul, Paul talks a lot about that in his letter to the Corinthians. And long story short, like basically like he's talking about some of it depends on the context. You know, I heard to put it this way, that it's not about the menu, it's about the venue, right? The context, the situation, who you're eating with, where you're eating. Right? If, if you're going to partake in this and it's actually going to create more confusion for our non-Christian neighbors, for their non-Christian neighbors and friends about what we actually believe, then maybe refrain. Right? Now, under this first view, if we're going to take all four of these scenes together, it's painting a picture for us, right? for the Gentiles, of a way of life that they need to leave behind now that they're coming to faith in Jesus. It's like if I, if I give you four other things, right? Red Solo cups, staying up late, taking Zantac or Pepsi AC, and loud music. Individually, they're not bad. I take Zantac for heartburn or whatever. And, you know, we have potlucks, and so I go to Wegmans, and, you know, they just have red Solo cups, so I just buy those, right? Whatever's on sale. But taken together... For those of us who are familiar, you know, they start painting a picture for us of a certain way of life. James, though, a second way to, to take kind of like these four themes is that he wants to make the point that this is not just about our vertical relationship with God, but about our horizontal relationship with each other, right, between these two very different people groups, but our together as the people of God in the church. Now, how are they going to live together? How are they going to worship together? Practically speaking, how does that work? I mean, sure, yeah, you abstain from idolatry, from sexual immorality. That's a given, no problem. But what about these, some of these other things? What about eating? And what do you do with that? And James gives a reason for us in the next verse. He says, for or because... From ancient generations, Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him, for he's read every Sabbath in synagogues. And I think one of the ways in which we can take this, it's possible that James, what he's doing here, is reminding the Gentiles, hey, that you have these Jewish brothers and sisters everywhere. They're in every city. And they will continue to follow some of these things, even as they acknowledge that it has no merit for their salvation. Because it's just part of who they are, their culture, their, their people. And so there needs to be a level of cross-cultural sensitivity, I think. You know, out of love for their Jewish Christian brothers, maybe they would refrain from certain things. 
They need to show grace, is that third point. Because the goal is right, this fellowship between Jews and Gentiles in the same body of Christ. It's one people, it's one church. And what does that mean for us, right? We're all Gentiles here. But we do find ourselves in maybe a somewhat comparable, but maybe not the exact same situation, but a comparable situation, worshiping in a multicultural, multilingual, multigenerational church. It's not Jew and Gentile, maybe it's East and West, right? And some of that is mitigated by the fact that we have different services, we have different small groups, different ministries, we have our own space and our own kind of areas, but there's still a lot of areas of overlap. And so we as a whole church can be clear on what can't be compromised, right? Salvation by grace, the gospel, Jesus as Lord and Savior. But practically, there's a lot of things that need to be worked out. And we're going to see some of that next week, too, with Paul and Barnabas. We, we have to be clear on cultural differences and the need to show sensitivity and not cause offense on the things that are not essential to the gospel. I'm going to give you an example. This is probably a low-hanging fruit. You know, this is probably why you'll rarely see me in a suit and a dress shirt in Crossbridge. You know, partly because, you know, the pandemic, it's a little tight now. And uh, I haven't bothered buying a new dress shirt because I don't really want to spend the money on one that's not going to wear that often. But, you know, for those of you who are here for Pastor Pat's ordination yesterday, you saw me with a suit. Like, it was really hot, and then with ordination robes, right? Because that was the context, and it was appropriate. And you saw me drumming in full regalia, and some of you were like, oh, you should wear it every Sunday. And I was like, this is the first and last time you ever see me with a suit and ordination robes on. It's never going to happen again because, you know, it was very bothersome, right? So I'm very happy to be in my button-down or whatever, and I'm glad that you have shown me grace to do that. But, right, if I'm preaching in a joint service, if you guys ever attend one of our joint services, or uh, if I'm preaching in, in Chinese ministry, uh, you know, I'll put that suit on. I'll, I'll button that top button, choke myself a little bit, wear a tie, out of love, right? Out of love and sensitivity for our brothers and sisters in our other ministries. Because there needs to be a, a level out of, of sensitivity, of wanting to not cause offense, of wanting to love one another in the same church and the same people. And then likewise, you know, they do the same for us as well. Because this is the beauty of the gospel. That it transcends all these man-made or human-made boundaries and walls that we see that the world puts up. But the gospel, the beauty of the gospel is it transcends all of that. It breaks through all of that. Because of God's grace. Now it's not easy though, right? Definitely not easy. We're working our way through Acts. And we, we're going to see what happens when different cultures come together as a people of God. We're going to see also what happens when Christ steps into the wider culture of the world in a couple weeks, in a few chapters. Like some of them at that point, they are not happy because it's bad for business. Like their job is to fashion, literally fashion these little idols. And now these Christians are coming in and saying, hey, gods made with hands are not gods. It's bad for business. Now here in Acts 15, this watershed moment for the church, we remember, we believe, we trust we, that we are saved by grace too. 
So we've seen how grace is challenged, grace is defended, and how grace is shown to one another in the body of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly God, we give thanks to you for your grace to us, this undeserved gift to us. That there's nothing that we can do to earn our salvation, but that salvation has been earned not by us, but by Jesus, who came and who lived a perfect and sinless and obedient life, who died a death that he did not deserve, so that he could give this gift of salvation, this undeserved gift to us. God, help us to live in light of that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.